Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Guys, I just want to jump right in today because I'm just excited. I think God has something on my heart that he's been doing in me and on me. And I don't know about you, but how many of you have been challenged by this Not a Fan series? Like to move from a fan, a, an admirer of God, an enthusiastic admirer, to a completely committed, devoted follower, that's tough. And Pastor Chrissy's been bringing some messages the past few weeks, and it's caused me to look in the mirror and realize in a lot of areas in my life, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And, and it's just causing me to look at who I am and, and what I do. And so this morning, I just want you to know I'm not talking out of like my strength, but my weakness. And I'm just going to believe that where I'm weak, God is going to be strong and make up the difference. And so I'm just talking from my weakness today, and I'm talking from a place of conviction. Um, I'm talking from a place of where God is working on my heart and what he wants to do in me. And I just believe that it's something that he's calling each of us to today as well. And so here is the thought. Here here is kind of the central theme of today, and it's the title of my message. It's slave or free, which will it be? Slave or free, which will it be? And I, my wife was asking me this weekend, RJ, what are you talking about? And so I told her my title. I said, hey, here's my title, babe. Slave or free, which will it be? And so then I asked her the question. I said, so, slave or free, which will it be? And she gave me the answer that probably every one of us would give, and that is slave or free, which would it be? Which would you choose? Free. Give me freedom or give me death. Right? We sing songs like, I am free to run. Right? We sing about freedom all the time. And we watch movies like Braveheart. Anybody seen Braveheart with Mel Gibson as William Wallace? And like, he's at the very end, he can either give up and live, but with his very last breath, he screams at the top of his lungs, freedom! And it gives everybody watching chills. And you're like, wow. Yes, I want what he has. That's awesome. And so we talk about freedom. And then after my wife uh, said free, she looks at me and she says, is that a trick question? Are you setting me up for something? Uh, A slave to what? And she's like, wait, what? Time out. And some of you are like, okay, I know pastors well enough that, like, I said free, but he's going to completely flip it around and say something else, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. And so what today, what I want to challenge you with is what if I told you that the only way to experience true freedom is by becoming a slave, by becoming a slave. And so here's our scripture that's kind of going to be our our theme, lay, lay the groundwork today. is Deuteronomy 15, 16 and 17. It says, but if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door, and he will become your servant or your slave for life. So in the Israelite culture, after six years of them having a slave, they had to set that slave free. But that slave, if they chose, could become a bond slave or a bond servant for life. And I just want to take a time out because uh, today I know I'm going to be using the word slave a lot and talking about, about challenging us to be a slave and that's how we can experience freedom. I'm not talking about uh, an evil enslavement of men. I'm talking about voluntarily laying down your life and saying, I I could go free, but I'm going to choose not to go free. Because this is exactly what these slaves did. They said, you know what, I love my master. I love his family. And so instead of me going free, I'm going to pierce my ear. 
And I thought about having an awesome sermon illustration today of just like taking a needle and blood everywhere. And Pastor Chris said, if blood gets on that stage, you are fired. So blame Pastor Chris for missing out on the coolest sermon illustration ever. But actually, I'm just deathly afraid of needles. <laughs> I can't stand them. So I will not even go there. But this is what the slaves would do. If they say, I will not go free, I'm yours for life. They would pierce their ear, and a bond servant or a bond slave, is you would see someone with an earring, that meant they were their masters for life. And they would just give up everything for their master. And so the reason this is challenging to me is because kind of my life story has been a story of God challenging me to follow, challenging me to do things, and me saying, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds really hard. No, I, You want me to follow? That sounds... Tough. For instance, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad is a pastor. And so I was known as RJ, the pastor's kid. He doesn't do anything, right? He doesn't drink, cuss, chew, or hang with people that do. And like, they're like, he just doesn't do that stuff. That's, that's what he's known for. And I still remember the first time being a Christian cost me because I can tell you exactly how much it cost me. It cost me a hundred bucks. One hundred dollars. My friends all came to me and they said, RJ, We'll give you $100 right now to say a cuss word. Like, $100? I'm in junior high. Listen, I could buy a lot of candy. I could buy a couple pairs of shoes. You can maybe buy a half a pair of shoes now. But back then, like, that's a big deal. $100. And they're like, it doesn't even have to be the worst cuss word. Just any cuss word. I'm like, not even a bad one? Come on, Lord. And you know what? In that moment, I don't know why, but I had the faith, I had the courage to stand up and say, nah. I'm not going to do it. And afterwards, I was like, kind of chalked one in the books, like, ching, God, did you see that? <laughs> Impressed. Because that was pretty cool. That was pretty hard. And I kind of like just chalked it up in the books. And I remember the first time following Christ cost me a friendship. I had some elementary school friends, but then I moved to a different town. And so those elementary friends visited me in high school. And they came. And, and as they're coming, we, we hung out for a little bit. And then finally, they, they said, all right, RJ, well, Man, you're going to take us to the party or what? I'm like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm known as the kid who doesn't do any of that. <laughs> I don't do these things. And so I, I, but I really did. I just told him, like, you know what, I'm not really into that scene. I don't really do that stuff. We can go do something else. Let's go hang. Let's go, you know, have some fun. Let's go play some ball or something. And uh, they're like, ah. To my face, my friends told me how lame I was, and they ditched me to go find a party. And I've not talked to them since. And I remember that. And I, at that moment, it was hard, but I'm kind of chalked up another one like, God, did you see that one? That one hurt just a little bit. That one was tough. And I just remember times my friends going and doing things. And instead of going and doing what they would do, I would just go to the gym and shoot. And it was hard. It was kind of isolating. But in my mind, I'm just kind of checking these things off like, God, do you see this? I'm doing this for you, but here's what the problem was for me in high school. Here's what the issue was, is my relationship with God. I just kind of had this religious checklist. Like, for, in my mind, following God meant don't do that, can't do that, check, check, check. I'm just kind of checking these things off. I'm not doing this. When God was calling me to so much more. He was asking me to follow. See, I was known as a kid who didn't do anything, but I also didn't do anything for God. And I knew he wanted me to. There were times he wanted me to follow, and I said, God, but did you see these? See these check marks? I didn't do that. That's good enough. 
And I was kind of living in this world of this is good enough. When God was speaking to me, challenging me, like, I want to take you so much farther. I want to use you in so many more ways. And I was like, wait, but God, do you see this? And I think many times when we look at our lives, we get content in good enough. You know what? This is good enough. This is good enough. My actions are good enough. My marriage is good enough. My relationship with my kids, you know what? That's, that's good enough. The way I talk around people, that, that's good enough. Or my work ethic, pretty good. It's good enough. My relationship with God, and we get stuck in this place where we think it's good enough. And so tonight, or today, I want to challenge you to not settle for good enough because God wants you to follow him. God has so much more, but it comes at a cost of denying yourself and following him. Uh, there's a story in the Bible about a rich young ruler, right? This rich young guy walks up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, uh, from the time I was a young boy, I have kept all your commandments. I didn't do this. I did that. I was in church. I tithed. I didn't do this. And they're like checking off all these boxes. And then at the end, he says, what more is there? What more is there for me to do? And Jesus always defines more for us to do because he says, okay, uh, here's what I want you to do. Go sell everything you have. Come. Follow me. This rich young ruler who had these, this checkbox, and it kind of sounds like a big thing of Jesus to ask, like go and sell everything and follow him. But this rich young ruler, he put his head down and walked away sad because he was very rich. He walked away. He missed out on following God. He missed out on becoming a slave to God because he was a slave to his stuff. And he didn't even realize it. And I can go through each commandment and tell you how he didn't keep all those commandments, but even though he thought he did, but I won't do that. But, but here, here's what he was. He was a fan that wasn't willing to let his faith cost him. Could you imagine there being 13 disciples? Because that's what Jesus asked him. Hey, come be my disciple. Follow me. You could be the 13th disciple. He would have turned the world upside down, would have seen miracles uh, firsthand. It would have been unbelievable. And here's his deal. He thought following God meant being bound. Some of us here today, some of you here today, like you're nervous about truly following God because you're like, man, he's going to meddle with my, my stuff. He's going to uh, want me to forgive and pray and to do other things. And we think that it lives a life of bound. But he didn't realize that that was the only way he would experience true freedom. And for me, I desperately wish I could go back to high school and kind of have a redo um, because there were times I would try occasionally to follow God but not too hard. I remember uh, uh, when I was going to be a senior in high school, I, was, I had somewhat in some influence. I was captain of the basketball team, and I knew that this could be my year. Like, God, this could be my year. I could do something big for you. And at summer camp, youth summer camp, it's awesome. God changes lives at summer camp. And he was speaking to me and challenging me, and the speaker up there said, if you want to be a campus missionary this year, come forward and be a campus missionary. Win your school for Jesus. And I'm like, yes, that's me. That is what I want. So in that moment, I stood up, and I looked over at my friends, and these friends didn't even go to my high school. They weren't even from the same town as me. They were my camp friends. And uh, I looked at them and said, guys, let's go. And my one friend just crossed his arms and leaned back and said, ah, I'm good. And so instead of me denying myself in that moment and walking forward and picking up the call that God had for me, I sat back down and went with the flow. And that was kind of what I was known for my entire senior year. 
I could tell you about how in that moment when I sat down, I looked across the auditorium, and I saw my little sister, going to be a sophomore in high school, walk to the front and say, I'll be a campus missionary. And I would go on that year to watch as my little sister would kneel down at her locker every day over lunch and pray in the middle of the hallway. And here I am, this senior. I have a lot more influence than my little sister, but yet I'm walking by this hallway at lunchtime, and I see her kneeling down at her locker, and I get embarrassed, put my head down, turn, and walk just a little bit faster. I won't forget as uh, my sister led a prayer before every single basketball game, uh, before every single girls' varsity basketball game. And God was challenging me to do the same thing, but yet I thought, what would they think? Man, it's going to cost, doing following God, God is going to cost me that. I don't know if I want to give that up, and, but my sister did. And I don't know if it's coincidence or what, but from the moment she started praying before every game, that girl's basketball team never lost the rest of the season. Like, it was crazy. And I'm like, some of you need a little victory in your life. Maybe you just need to get God involved and pray before every game because you'll automatically win. Everybody knows. I'm just playing. It does not work like that. But in this situation, it did. I'm like, God, is that a coincidence or is that just how you moved this time? Like, I don't even know. They were complete underdogs. But from the moment she began praying, I just thought, wow, God, that's crazy. And she prayed with friends. She invited friends, and I did nothing because I was a fan. I'm sure I had my list. But when he asked me to do something to follow, I said, God, I don't know. Like the rich young ruler, I said, God, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing all these things. What more is there? And when he defined it, when he challenged me to follow him, I said, God, I don't know. And so here's the key. Here's what I want you to remember when it comes about slave or free, which shall it be? Because I remember in that moment when I walked by, I saw my little sister there praying. And I'll never forget, in that moment, I felt trapped. In that moment, I felt convicted. In that moment, I looked at my little sister and I thought, she has a freedom that I wish I had. You know why she was so free in that moment? She was free because she became a slave to Christ. She voluntarily laid down her life and said, God, slave or free, which will it be for me? I will not go free. I'm following you. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but God's kingdom works completely backwards because some of you, uh, even me saying the word slave is like, ah, it's poking at you. It's like offensive. It's crazy. And ah, it's a bad. I don't like even hearing that word. But God's kingdom is completely backwards. It's upside down. Like Jesus showed up on the scene. And he's like the fresh prince of Bel-Air, like the world got flipped, turned upside down. So I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I see. I know people who know about that Will Smith show. But, uh, but this is what he did. Jesus shows up, completely flips the world upside down and says things like, if someone hits you, I just want you to turn the other cheek and let them hit him there too. They're like, whoa, that's hard to do. I want you to love those who hate you. I want to pray for those, you to pray for those who persecute you. You know what? He says things like, if you want to gain your life, you're going to have to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain it. It's like, wait, Jesus, that's backwards. If I lose my life, I lose my life. He says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's like, wait, no, we understand that the first gets the prize and the last place is a loser. But he kind of turns the world upside down, and he says, the greatest among you shall be your slave, your servant. Or like, Jesus, that's wrong, because the greatest is a king, not the slave. Yet he modeled this 
backwards kingdom, when he stepped down from the throne of heaven, when he had the world at his feet, yet he came down here to wash the feet of the world. That's exactly what he did. It's backwards. God, all-powerful, came to wash the feet of the world. So I want to challenge you with this thought because it doesn't sound very uh, awesome. It doesn't sound like, man, let, let's, God wants us to be millionaire CEOs. and God wants us to be a slave. Like, that doesn't sound very attractive. But I want to challenge you with the only way to experience true freedom is by becoming a slave. In fact, I would say that's the highest calling all throughout Scripture that God would call us to to be his slave, to be his, to lay down our life and say, God, I will not go free. I will pierce my ear. I am your bond slave for life. Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Denying yourself is hard. Taking up a cross is uncomfortable. And following him, you never know what's going to happen when you follow Jesus. And in the very next verse, it's like Jesus knows what he asks is weird and it's hard. And people are looking at him like, man, that is upside down. That is backwards. That's crazy. He just throws in this backwards statement. And he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So that's what he's challenging with us today. Is will we lay down our life? Will we deny ourselves and follow him? Uh, any dog people, anybody in here have a dog, pet dogs, where are you at? I won't talk about pet cats because everybody knows they're evil. The Bible doesn't even talk about cats. I'm just saying, I don't know. If God doesn't talk about them, I ain't going to talk about them. But uh, I'm just playing. But I love dogs. I have a little dog named Bron, named after my favorite NBA player, LeBron James. Oh, I heard laughs. I was expecting like, yeah, go LeBron, but... All right, I, all right, I hear you. But uh, he's my favorite player, and so I named my dog Braun. And he's just this tiny little multi-poo, like a 10-pound dog. His little legs are like this big, and he runs everywhere, and I love him. He's like a little furball with ADD. He's awesome. This is my dog. And, and, and so my dog learns a few tricks. Anybody's dogs know tricks? Know some tricks? Oh, yeah, all right. I see some dogs that, that, that know tricks. And so uh, maybe your dog can sit or maybe he can fetch or roll over. My dog has this awesome trick, and I love it. And first service, my wife was sitting right here, and I was about to share it, and she's looking at me like, no, don't tell him your trick. No. And so I'm going to tell it to you anyways because I love it. Um, so I got this trick. My dog does this trick where I look at Bron. He's sitting there, and I say, Bron, who passed gas? Who did it, Bron? Oh, who let a stinky? Who did it, Bron? Who was it? And this little dog, he'll be sitting there and he'll poof, put his hand straight up in the air and it'll be shaking like with so much anticipation. Like, oh, me, 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 me. I did it. It was me. And I'm like, oh, yes. That's awesome. And I love it. Because everybody that's ever owned a dog knows that at some point or another, we've blamed the dog. But my dog, I can't only blame him. He admits it. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. And so I, I got this awesome trick. Uh, but here's the thing about my dog, though. The only time he does that trick is when I have a treat in my hands. And it frustrates me because I try to get him to do that without the treat, and he never will. And, and, and so I'm just always like, Bron, you stinking dog. The only time you do what I ask you to is when I can give you something. And in that moment, I felt God saying the same thing to me. You know what, RJ, you raise your hand to me. You worship me. You, you, 
you sing to me, you praise me. Not necessarily because you want me, but because you want what I can give you. You want something from me. And as I look at my life and I examine it and I think, man, it's so true. There are times I go for, after God, even in my prayer life, it's God bless me, be with me, help me. Like, God, I have my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, and I want you to just follow me and bless me while I do what I want to do. But God is saying, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want it to be out of a consumer mentality of here's what I want. I want it to be out of a contributor mentality of God, what can I do for you? I'm trying to get to this place where, where even uh, if it costs me everything, even if God doesn't give me one single thing, I'm willing to owe him everything and give him everything. Yet I know I struggle. Yet I know I fail. I'm trying to get to the place where I want him more than I want my dreams or my goals my ambitions. I want to get to the place where even if tomorrow I wake up and I fall flat on my face, as long as I got him, that's enough. No, Pastor Chris said, is Jesus all I need? Is he really all you need? I'm trying to get to the place where I can really truly say, God, you are all I need, and not just words that I sing on a Sunday, but like something in my heart that I live. It's like he's asking, it's like at times I'm asking him to follow me, but I'm trying to get to the place where I'm going to say, God, I'm your slave. I'm not asking you to be my genie. Because many times we get it flipped. See, many times when we follow Christ in the church message or we think coming to Christ, like our motto of having a relationship with Jesus could be like the Burger King motto, like have it your way. Burger King, tink, I love Burger King, it's awesome, and I can have it my way at Burger King, but I can't always have it my way with Christ. My way isn't always the best way for me, and, and, but sometimes we think that, and because salvation and grace, yeah, they're awesome, they're free gifts, but man, if we want to draw really close and intimately with God, it's going to cost us something. In fact, did you know the Bible describes a follower as a slave? In fact, the, the word used for follower, the Greek word there is doulos. That Greek word doulos is what we usually say follower or servant, but the most accurate translation is the word slave. We like follower, we like servant a lot better because that sounds a lot better, but readers in that day would have without a doubt read that word as slave. Slave, that's what they would have read. Uh, and there's a huge difference even from a servant and a slave. A servant works for somebody, a slave is completely owned by somebody. A slave has no possessions to call their own. A slave has no rights. In fact, in Jesus' day, a slave didn't even have a personal identity. Their identity was tied to their master. Their name was tied to their master. There's another slavery word that, that we use a lot, and that comes from the Greek word called kurios, like curious, just with a K, kurios. And this word means Lord. In fact, throughout the New Testament and the Bible, you cannot call Jesus Lord without declaring yourself his slave. It's a slavery word. When they would say Lord, that word means the master or the owner of a slave. And so when you're calling Jesus Lord, you're not just saying, man, we're, we're worshiping you. You're our Lord. We acknowledge you. But you are saying, I am your slave. You are my master. That's what the word Lord means. Hey, he can be your savior, and man, that's free, and that's awesome, but, being his, but him being your Lord means denying ourselves and following him and making it not about us, yet it's the highest calling we could ever pursue. 
In fact, disciples, apostles, all throughout Scripture use this. They call themselves this. Peter, in 2 Peter, he, he says this, 2 Peter 1, 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle. Why doesn't he say, I'm Peter, best friend of Jesus, preached at the day of Pentecost where thousands were impacted, but yet he says, Peter, a slave. Uh, John, Timothy, Jude, all give themselves the same title, I'm a slave for Christ. James 1, 1. James 1.1, 1, 1, this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm James and I want readers to listen, I'm going to say this letter is from James, half-brother to the Son of God, Jesus. You've heard of him. That was my brother. Grew up with him. But he says I'm a slave. Paul, writing to the Romans church, says this is a letter from Paul, slave of Christ Jesus. Why not this is a letter of Paul, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Best-selling author of the Bible. Right? But he says, I'm just a slave of Jesus. He's my master. I do what he wants. I go where he wants. I'm his slave. And most of us don't grow up. This is hard because most of us don't grow up thinking, boy, I can't wait to be a slave someday. I sure want to be a slave. But in God's kingdom, he kind of came and flipped things upside down, said, you want to truly be great? You want to truly experience freedom? You want to see what I really have in store for you? Then you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and become my follower. See, the highest calling, or that the highest calling that we could ever have is to be a slave who denies himself and follows Jesus. That's what the highest calling that the Bible calls us to. Um, Deuteronomy, I just want to take you back to this scripture in Deuteronomy 15, 16 through 17, because we asked the question, why would anybody want to become a slave? Why would anybody want to do it? But I want you to see the motivation behind it. It says, but if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family, and is well off with you. Then take an awl, push it through his earlobe, and pierce his ear. And this is how the New Testament writers describe himself, and this is how the challenge for us today is out of love. That's our motivation. Why would we ever want to do that? Why would a servant ever pierce their ear and be a bond slave for life? Out of love. Out of acknowledging my life is so much better with you. Uh, my, my life is going to be tied to you wherever I go, whatever I do. My identity is going to be tied to who you are, like out of love. And, and I said this earlier, but grace and salvation are free. But spiritual, and, spiritual intimacy and closeness with God comes at a cost. So why would you not want to go free? Or why, why would you want to become a slave? Because you understand, yeah, salvation is free. Thank God for salvation. It's available for all of us. Man, some of us, we've experienced that, and it's awesome. But if we want to be close and intimate with God and have that intimate relationship, it comes at a cost. That's why there's scriptures like, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Because there's a cost. It's, it's not easy to seek God with all your heart. Man, God, that, that's tough to do. But the choices are, slave or free, which will it be? And my challenge to you is, is that you would have the, the attitude of, I will not go free. I will not be free with the way I talk. I will not go free with the way I treat my spouse. I won't go through free with the way I treat my kids. I, I won't go free with how I spend my time. I won't even go free with how I think because I know my thoughts can get in, in a bad place real quick. I won't be free with the way I spend my money. 
as I look at our lives and, and this world, and I think, man, something's a little bit off because we think it's a big deal when we give $50 above our tithe, but we think it's a great deal when we find a pair of jeans for $50. Like, God, change our hearts. Change me. I will not go free with my entertainment because I, I just can't help but think if Jesus was sitting there watching what we watch or what we scroll through, he wouldn't always be happy. He probably, it would probably make him cringe. How comfortable would Christ be? Uh, I will not go free in my humor because just because we can make somebody else laugh doesn't necessarily mean the Holy Spirit is laughing inside of us. So, RJ, it sounds like you're putting a lot of chains on. It sounds like this following Christ thing is going to be hard. It's going to be putting on some chains. That's exactly what the rich young ruler thought. That's exactly what he thought, and he thought that giving up his stuff, that's why when he encountered Jesus, and Jesus said, come and follow me, he thought, man, give up some of this stuff? Man, live in those kind of chains? I don't know. I'm going to go back to my stuff. Because he couldn't, he got so caught up on his stuff and where he was and what he wanted to do that he missed out on the greatest adventure of his life. God had so much more for him. And so some of us were going through, check, not doing that, doing that. God has more for you. And the only thing that truly matters is God. But I'm praying that some of us today say, slave or free, which will it be? God, by your grace, I will not go free. If the band could come, I'm going to be closing in just a moment. But you know what's funny is bond slaves had the right to go free. They could go free if they wanted. They could live how they wanted and go be, live free. And so after that six years when they were set free, they could go out. And they were only, uh, couldn't only go free, but they were blessed as they went. The master would bless them and thank them and, and like, love them as they, they went. They had the right to go free, but they could voluntarily give up their life and say, no, I will not go free. It was an act of complete self-denial. It didn't come with like a clause. They gave up all rights to the master. They couldn't pick and choose parts of the deal. They wouldn't say, all right, I'm going to go, or I'll be your slave, but I want every other weekend off. I'm going to be your slave, but I better get overtime from time to time. I'm going to be your slave, but I want to keep the car, or I want to have the best room in the house. Like, no, there was no clause. It wasn't a negotiation. A bond slave would just say, everything I have, everything I am is yours. It is tied to you. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where uh, I feel like God is calling me to follow. And this message today, I know we got people from all different walks. I know we got people that are just beginning their walk with Jesus. Some who maybe have never even accepted Jesus in their life. Others who have been following Christ for years and years and years. But I think I want you to know every single person, wherever you're at, from new to Christ, don't even know Christ, to committed to Christ, been following him for years and years. He wants the same thing for each and every one of us. He wants all of you. That means if you're here and you've messed up and you've made mistakes and you don't even really acknowledge Jesus in your life and you're, you feel like your life is broke, busted, and disgusted and messed up and crazy, you know what? He wants every broke, busted, and disgusted piece. He wants all of you. Every part of you. The slave says, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and he's well off with you. See, a slave realizes as crazy as it sounds, as backwards as it is, I will not go free because love is my motivation. Because I love my master more than I love my stuff. I love my God more than I love my things. Whatever those things are, 
and they realize that they're better off as a slave to their master. And there's a crazy thing that happens. When we begin to lay down our life, when we begin to, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and surrender all that we have and all that we are, we'll find the strangest thing happen. As we become a slave to Christ, that's when we're going to experience true freedom. But we think denying ourselves means missing out. We think denying ourselves uh, means, oh man, I'm going to miss out. I can't do what I want, think what, go where I want. But the opposite is actually true. Remember the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 22? He came to Jesus and said, what more is there? And he said, sell everything and follow me. And the very next verse, uh, verse 22 says, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? He was sad because he was rich. He went away sad. Because he thought denying his money, he thought denying his stuff, he thought denying his way of living meant missing out, yet he missed out on being a follower of Jesus, turning the world upside down. He missed out on the greatest adventure he could ever possibly go on. So today, today I want to ask you this question is, how much is your ear pierced? How much is your ear pierced? I don't know, but if you're like me, like God has asked us to follow from time to time and asked me to, to kind of pierce my ear. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to follow. And as soon as I start it and I, a little blood starts coming out, like, ah, that, that was a little bit painful. There's blood. I, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I tried. But what area is God asking you to pierce your ear in? And what area of your life is God asking you to follow me? Follow me. When is the last time following Jesus cost you something? There was a girl I met a year, uh, actually it was just last June. Last June I met her, her name was Rana. And uh, I met her on a Sunday at church uh, because she was driving by our church in a car and we had outdoor baptisms that day and she saw this baptismal pool out there and so she pulled in with her aunt and came inside the church and said, uh, I wanna be baptized. So we're like, awesome, let's go, let's baptize you. And it was just this crazy story. Um, and she talked to me and she said, you know, my, my family is a Muslim family. My parents are very devout Muslims. And my aunt was had been telling me about Jesus and I've accepted Jesus. And man, it's just been awesome and he's starting to change me. And so I just want to be baptized. I said, all right, let's baptize you. It was just this unbelievable moment where we got to baptize her and she started coming back to church the next few weeks. And as she started coming back to church, I got to hear her story. And she began to tell me how her parents uh, were this devout Muslims, but, and they started to find out that she was a Christian. And they didn't like it. In fact, they took her phone away and said, we'll give you this phone back if you denounce Christianity. She said, so RJ, that's why I can't, that's why you can't get a hold of me because they took my phone and I can't communicate with anybody. And she had the biggest smile on her face while she talked about it. She said, my family forces me to go to the Muslim mosque every week. She said, but you know what I do? I go to the Muslim mosque and I pray to Jesus. And I'm like, what? You pray to Jesus at the Muslim mosque? And she says, yes, I do. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And she says, you know what? My family won't let me go anywhere until I come back to be a Muslim. So you have to, you're trapped in your house. Say, so they won't let me go anywhere. The only way I can come here is because they don't know my aunt loves Jesus too. 
let me go see my aunt. They won't allow her to have a Bible. So what she does is she rips a page out of her Bible, hides it, and just reads that page in her house when she's by herself. Following Jesus cost her something. It cost her some freedom. When she counted the cost, it's slave or free, which will it be? She said, I could be free to have my phone, but by God's grace, I will not be free. I could be free to have a great relationship with my parents, but if that means uh, not having a relationship with God, then by God's grace, I will not go free. She could be free to go where she wants and do what she wants, but she said, by God's grace, I will not go free, if that means turning my back on Jesus. And I'll never forget as I was talking to her, and she's telling me this story, how my heart just broke, broke in that moment. But it was interesting because my heart didn't break for her. My heart broke because in my entire life, this little girl, this teenager, her faith has cost her way more than my faith has ever cost me in my life. And I began to think, would I do it? Could I do it if, if following Christ meant, meant not being free to, to have my stuff, to have my relationship with my family? When her faith cost her everything, she said, okay, God. When it cost her her friends, she said, okay, God. When it cost her family, she said, okay, God, by your grace, I will not go free. God, I'm yours. And today, the challenge for each one of us is the same because God is inviting us to be his slave. He's inviting you to be his slave. And as someone who's completely committed his life to, to trying to live this out, listen, I'm not perfect. I fail. I fall. I make multiple mistakes, but I try to pick pick myself up and keep going as someone who's maybe far from God or even someone who's close to God. He's inviting each of us today in this place to be his slave. And as a fellow slave, let me tell you about my master. Because this is a great master. My master will provide for you. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He'll take care of every need you ever have. My master will protect you. Because when he speaks, even the wind and the waves obey him. Uh, my pa master has the power to forgive your sins. Because some of us, were in this place and we find ourselves a slave to sin. And our life is so broken up and broken and bound and in pieces. And so many different crazy pieces that he can take every crazy broken up piece and put them together and flip it upside down and make it his masterpiece. That's what he does. That's my master. If you're worn out and you're exhausted, my master offers you strength and comfort. He says, I, I will give rest to those who are weary and heavy burdened. And, but when you come to my master, he doesn't just make call you his slave. He calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. And he calls you his friend. And this master gives you eternal treasures that won't ever fade away. So my prayer for you, my prayer for this church, no matter where we're at, is that we would be slaves in disguise. You would be a slave in disguise as an employee, a coworker, a rancher, teacher, doctor, whatever God has called you to, mother, father, sister, brother, that you would be a slave in disguise, saying, God, I deny myself and I will wholeheartedly follow you. Will you stand to your feet all across this place with me? It brings us back to this question, slave or free, which will it be? God, by your grace, I will not go 
free. God, by your grace, I will give you all that I am, all that I have, because I want you more than I want anything. I'm not going to settle for what I think is good enough. I'm not going to get caught up on did this, didn't do this, and think that's good enough, God. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. By your grace, I will not go free. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Jesus, thank you that you're calling us to follow. And even though there's a cost to following you, Lord, I pray that we would follow wholeheartedly, that we would learn to deny ourselves and follow you and be your slave. It's the only way to experience true freedom. God, I thank you that your grace and salvation are completely free. But God, we, we're not just going to settle with that being good enough. God, we want closeness and intimacy with you, and we know that sometimes comes at a cost. So God, I pray that you would help us to pierce our ear. Lord, help us to be yours with eyes closed and heads bowed. If you're here today, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. This is where it starts. This is the first decision you've got to make. So if you're here and you say, I want to follow Jesus, I want him to forgive my sins, come into my life, and I want him to be a part of it. When I count to three, will you just lift your hands? One, two, three. Where are you at saying, that's me, I need Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's the second question I want to ask you. If you're in this place and you're saying, you know what? I realize that when it comes to piercing my ear, I get a little scared. I'm a little nervous. And I'm pursuing my wants, my desires, my freedom. But today, I want to make a decision that says, by God's grace, I will not go free. And if you're here today and you would be bold enough to say, God, make me your slave. I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not there yet. But God, I'm willing to follow no matter where, no matter what, no matter when. God, make me all yours. If that's you, when I count to three, I just want to see your hand go up. One, two, three. Saying, slave or free, what will it be? God, by your grace, I will not go free. Awesome. Hands up all over the place. So I want to challenge you with one more thought. With one more thing, I'm going to pray here in just a moment, but as I pray, I'm going to challenge you to respond and come forward because sometimes denying ourselves is easy to say, but it's hard to do. And sometimes some of us may even need to deny our thoughts and ourselves just to walk to the front and have an encounter, a moment to respond to Jesus. But if you're here, you're willing to say, slave or free, what will it be? God, I'm yours. I am all yours. It's going to cost me a little something, but I am all yours. When I begin to pray, here in just a moment. Will you come? Will you pursue God? Our prayer team is going to be here. We're going to pray with you, but we're just going to have a moment where we just declare, we seal this moment in worship and say, God, as an act of saying, I'm yours, as an act of saying, I am all in with you, I'm just going to respond. I'm going to come to the front, and I'm just going to pursue you for just a couple more minutes. Give you all I have for just a couple more minutes. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray for those who lifted their hands and said they need you, God. They need your grace. They need your salvation. They need your forgiveness, God. And even as they're coming right now, I pray that you would wipe away all their sins because we believe that you died on the cross. We believe that you rose again three days later and that you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so, God, we just love you and we thank you. And, God, for those of us that are out here that are saying, God, I will not go free. Lord, make me your slave. Make me yours. Lord, I pray that we would just respond in a way that just gives it all to you. God, this week, as we're at work, that we'll be reminded, God, make me your slave. This week, as we're putting our kids to bed, that we'll be reminded, God, make me your slave. This week, as we're talking to our spouse and treating our friends and family a certain way, that we'll be reminded, God, make me your slave. Lord, slave or free, I will not go free. By God's grace, I will not go free. So, Lord, today, pierce our ears. 
that we would make a lifelong commitment to say, God, I am yours for life. I lay down who I am, what I have, all for you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to connect with us or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com.